Hello, and thanks for joining leaders and non-leaders alike, no matter who you are, where you're from, or what you do, we welcome you to the show. This is the Rooted Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Panetta. As always, we are in studio downtown today in Salem, Oregon. I give my spiel every time, but Salem is home to Groundwork, a leadership institute, which this podcast is housed in. And the reason why we started this this show was because we wanted to gather as much information and knowledge as possible. Now, I'm putting up some finger quotation marks when I say house all of this information and knowledge because we believe that becoming an institute means that we need to have as much information and knowledge around leadership, around community transformation, uh, organizational transformation, all the things that we engage in and work with alongside the leaders here. It's all important to us. And obviously, we're not experts uh, in all of those areas. You know, we we know some things, but we never claim to know it all. And so we think that, you know, that the idea was, look, let's learn as much as we can from leaders, not only in our community, but beyond our community. And it was a no-brainer. Hey, we can do that through a podcast. Easy to share, easy to talk to people. People listen to them, and we can have some fun while doing it. So that's why we started it. Our goal with the Leadership Institute was simple. Let's raise the tide of leadership in our community. Let's just improve leadership now and for many years to come. And so that's what we're doing. We have incredible leaders in our community right now, but there's nothing wrong with wanting more and wanting them forever. (laughs) And so this was our intentional part in that process of creating and helping find and cultivate leadership uh, here in our part of the world. So with that, let me introduce our guest for today. Okay, we, we again, we go back and forth between community leaders here locally and then leaders from the outside, authors and other thought leaders. But today is a, is a community leader. You know, I like to call these community leaders everyday leaders, right? A lot of us, we learn so much from the very uh, wonderful, articulate, best-selling authors out there, the people giving TED Talks and, you know, front of the lines and tre- front, of, front of the line in terms of, you know, thought leadership and, and, and who everybody's listening to and watching. Those individuals are phenomenal to learn from, right? But also, we can't always relate to them because they're kind of, you know, metaphorically on this pedestal. They're, you know, they, they're, they're not in the trenches, so to speak. It, Every day, as much as our everyday leaders. Now, they might have been and they had careers doing those things. So, obviously, they know quite a bit, but there's something to be said about learning from a leader that is an everyday leader right now that's in the trenches, that's in the thick of it, in their organization, their school, uh, their community, uh, and learning from them. So, today, you know, we have what I call an everyday leader, phenomenal leader in our community, in a very important part of our community, doing some important work. Her name is Jessica. And she is a principal of one of our elementary schools in one of the highest need neighborhoods of our town. Now, a lot of times we define, you know, parts of our city by needs or by demographics. And, and I don't want to do that today, but I would be, you know, I would be, it would be silly for me to ignore the fact that it is uh, a high need neighborhood and it's a lot of hard work to be done over there. But all the people over there are incredible human beings with families and lives and she's a principal of an elementary school right in the middle of it. And she's doing some awesome community work. And so we wanted her to come on the show to share what that work looks like and specifically what her perspective around leadership has been in that journey. And so again, her name is Jessica. I have been able to meet her several times, uh, but never actually been able to sit down and have a very intentional and thoughtful conversation about why she does what she does, what she thinks and believes about you know, her work and where she works and what her vision and goals are for the future and and just, you know, picking her brain like we always do with our guests on leadership. So that's our guest, Salam Noor, our co-host will also be joining us. Unfortunately, we're still uh, in a v- version of quarantine and so they can't be in studio with me today. So I'm going to get them on Zoom and we will go from there and I'm confident that you will enjoy the conversation So let me go and grab them. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in to the Rooted Leadership Podcast. Before our guest joins, you can catch more episodes, leadership tips, and community stories 
by following us on Facebook at Groundwork Leadership, on Twitter at Groundwork Salem, or on our website at groundworkleadership.org. Okay, we're back uh, with Jessica Brendan and our co-host Salam Noor. Uh, welcome for well, welcome to the show, Jessica. Thanks for for joining yeah. Salam and I today. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, happy to have you on. Uh, I you know as I mentioned before we started recording, I gave you I gave a brief intro of of you. Um, you know from what I I know, kind of high level high level perspective. We'd love to hear a little bit more about you, but I, I do want to point out to our listeners and our guests, you know, if you look back on a lot of the, um, or to our listeners and, and past guests, but if, if you think of some of the folks we've had on the show, we've had a lot of education, um, individuals, um, over the last few months that have been guests. And, you know, part of that is I, I want to point out is, is, is important. And it's because, you know, we're involved with all of the leaders in our community. We're trying to reach all different types of leaders in our community. Um, and a lot of the work that we do philanthropically, you know, is is all over the place. But it's it's you can't go anywhere in the community without involving our educators because we have schools in every single neighborhood in our community, and and all the families and the kids and and folks that we're we're trying to to see and to to support and and understand and learn from, you know, all in some way are connected to those schools. So. Uh, we're not an education podcast, but by default, our community work always leads us to educators. So I just wanted to point that out as we have a, uh, another educator and, and principal um, joining us today. So Jessica, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your sto- yourself, your story? You know, uh, tell, tell us who you are. Yeah. So uh, thanks again for inviting me. Um, it's really exciting to be able to just stop and reflect on who I am and how did I get here and what have I done? So I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, I currently serve as a principal at Hallman Elementary School. It's in Northeast Salem. Um, I have also served as the principal at Miller Elementary School in Southeast. And I was, um, my first school was Brush College Elementary School over in West Salem. Um, I've also served as an instructional coach uh, at Washington Elementary, and then I've been a teacher um, in Staten and Sublimity and in Woodburn um, in various roles at various grade levels. Awesome. A lot of of experience then in in, uh, the world of education. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's great stuff. Really good stuff and and a wide variety. I've done private school. I've uh, worked in public schools. I've worked in as an instructional assistant and um, a teacher. And, you know, so I've had, had several roles also. Yeah. What's, uh, and I would say you've, you've worked in these roles in different communities, which, mm-hmm. which is something I'm, I'm hoping we can talk about that later, but I think it's an, it's an important thing to, to point out that uh, your experience has been in multiple communities, even in the Salem Kaiser school district. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I got, you've been able to see, uh, you know, different, different, uh, types of, of people and students and families in all those areas, I'm sure, which all adds to, you know, a valuable perspective. Uh, what led you to education? I mean, you know, why, why is it that you do what you do? Um, one, one thing I've learned, I say this often, but I learned it from Salam, you know, and my wife's an educator. She's a, She's an elementary school teacher. She's not teaching now, but that was what she went to school for and did for, you know, for a while. But it's personal for educators. So I, I love, I would love to hear why you got into it. Why is it important to you? You know, why does it get you out of bed every morning? Mm-hmm. Um, I knew from the time that I was real young what my future held. I just knew I didn't have an explanation for it. I just knew that that's what I was pulled into. That's what I was drawn into. I knew I needed to be an educator. In my 20s, I started to doubt that and think nobody knows what they're going to do when they're eight, you know? Um, And in fact, for a long time, when I was a a kid, my uh, grandpa said, you're going to be the first woman president of the United States. And so that was my dream for a long time. But then when I got real about it, I um, knew that I wanted to be an educator. So um, I took a brief 
sideways trip into veterinary medicine when I was, uh, I know, in wow. early college. And um, one biology class was all it took to, to <laughs> nope, that's not where I'm going. That's not it for me. So I course corrected and um, knew what I needed to do at that moment and got into education classes and um, just, I was just pulled into it. It, uh, it's, it's, there's not a moment of explanation. It's just, I just knew. You just knew. I love that. Yeah. It was a calling. Yeah. Yep. In, yep. In our, uh, in our leadership institute, in our curriculum, we, we have this section where we talk about getting rooted in, you know, and, and what we mean by that is, <laughs> is knowing, uh, knowing your why. Um, and, uh, if someone were to ask you today, I mean, what's your, why, you know, what is your, yeah. what, what makes you rooted in, uh, just in, yeah. in, in life in general, what would you tell them? Um, so that calling that continues and I would not call it rooted in for me, it was more like electricity shot through <laughs> me. I just knew what I needed yeah. to do. It happened at three really specific. Well, no, the first time it happened was the slow the slow burn of knowing I needed to be in education. The second time that it happened to me was that in, uh, when I was in teacher school, I, there was a, <laughs> an educator who's, she's a, I think still a teacher over at Yoshikai, Jean Makichi. And we were in our classes together and we were, I was talking about something that, um, that, that like a, a program or a system or something that I would develop in class. And she looked at me like she got shocked. And she passed the shock on to me. She said, you need to be a principal. And that, that was electricity. I knew in that moment what I needed to do. And I was super focused on becoming a teacher. And I knew that I needed to be a teacher. But in that moment, she gave me the dream and the vision of what I needed to do with my life. So thank God for Jean Yeah. Um, and then, I, and then the next time that I knew something needed to be different, that I was in the wrong spot was when I was at Miller Elementary um, and I had no reason to leave. I had no reason to need to go anywhere, but something said, you need to talk to your boss about being somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And Heidi Litchfield did not hesitate to, or ask any questions. She said, she did ask why she said, why? why do you feel this? I said, I can't tell you, Heidi, it's something bigger than me. And she said, well, we have to trust that then. And, and she said, where do you think you need to be? <laughs> and I knew that there was an opening here at Hallman. <laughs> so I said, I think I need to be there. That school's always intrigued me. And she, and I, it happened and it was right. It was 100% the right move for me. What's kept me rooted. What's kept the electricity in me is, um, just always wanting to do more and be a community in community with families and with kids um, and understanding how strong of an impact a school and a community together can have. So working with families is what keeps me going. Working with kids is what keeps me going and seeing their triumphs and um, and, and developing those trusting relationships where families know they can trust us to help in any ways that we can. That's what keeps yeah. me going. Chris, I'm, I'm curious about this. Um, and, and Jessica, um, you've articulated a couple of key components of our rooted leadership framework, especially when it comes to innovation. Um, and that is that sense of desire and belief. And what I've always admired about you and your leadership is that those things are really internal to you. Uh, they're driven through this internal calling and belief and the desire to, to do good and, and to help schools and kids and communities. Um, what I'm curious about is that you said, Jean, by just making that statement to you in one word, she changed the trajectory of your life. And, and I really... I think it's really neat that you're attributing that to her. So in your current capacity as a leader, how do you um, sort of embody that and impart it upon others? I mean, do you see your role as, you know, doing the same for your fellow teachers or somebody in your building or colleagues? And how does that translate to kids and community as well? Yeah. Yeah. People need to know that we believe in them. Um, 
one of the things that one of the questions that you sent prior to this was, um, you know, what prepared you, how, why, and when? And the first thing I wrote is that someone believed in me. And yeah, as a leader, I need to show people how I believe in them. Mm -hmm. And I've seen being here now for five years, I've seen the fruits of that, telling people that I believe in them and then showing them where I think they can show their leadership to others um, has, it's starting to show up. You know, I have teachers asking about how can I get more involved in teacher prep programs? How can I get, talk to me about an administrative license. What does it take to get that? Talk to me about what other ways they can be a leader, either in the community or in the school or in education. And, and staff are starting to take advantage of those opportunities. And I think it's just with that repeated message of, I believe in you and my words and demonstration to them, I believe in you and you can do this. Um, and that we do that for kids. And I highlight those stories all over the place. Re- most recently, um, the, the power of the small things that, um, that make a big difference <laughs> showed up at home. My husband was cleaning out an old trunk and he found this little button that he had gotten as a, as an elementary school student. And it said it was an old button, not new flashy buttons are so easy to make in the old days when buttons were made, it was by hand. And this was a handmade button that said he was a self-manager. He had gotten his (laughs) self-manager button and he saved it. It was, you know, one person made that button for him and probably 20 other kids in the school. And to them, it didn't feel like anything. It was a job. It was something that I need to make these buttons clunk, you know, but to him, it meant the world. And, and it's stories like that, that I run into and try to remind people every week in this message that I write, we have so much power and, and kids are soaking up what we're here, what they're hearing every single day and hearing you say, wow, that was an amazing job. Wow. You're such a good writer. Wow. You're a mathematician. Those things are powerful. And we just never know until 40 years later when we're cleaning out a trunk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I love, uh, I love those stories, you know, that of your, your husband and, and uh, what you were saying before, when we asked you, you know, what would you say to somebody about why are you rooted in what's your why I could I felt compelled to you know to, to share that I you know I uh, teachers um cha- changed my life it sounds kind of cliche but teacher teachers in in my educational process from little kid to to all the way through you know graduate school have all changed my life but I'm thinking specifically back to when I was a kid um uh, and they did you know and we have a lot of critiques you know now and and there's a debate on different and how education can change and all sorts of things. But at the end of the day, you know, teachers and, and individuals are are building relationships and, and, and having an impact in, in sometimes small, but, but meaningful ways. And so, uh, you know, I appreciate, I love, I love, I love what, what you do. And I think it's important. It's so special, you know, the way that you talk about your, your customers, right. Which is the students and the families in, in your neighborhood. Um, yeah. you know, we don't, you don't always hear that about other industries talking about their customers in that way. It's personal and, and there's, you know, it's at a deeper level. And so, um, I love that. And I think there's a lot to be said about it. You know, if I'm, if I'm in business or in some other sector, if I'm asking myself, um, the question of, do I, you know, do I care deeply enough and see, see my, the people that I serve, you know, deeply enough, um, there's lessons to be learned from, from what you're sharing for, for leaders across the board. Uh, I want to, you've mentioned a few things about this, but this was one of the the big reasons why we wanted to get you on the show. Cause I think this perspective of your school, your community, and some of the collaboration that's going on over there, there I think there's a lot to, to learn from that. Um, you know, Jim Seymour, uh, he, we were, uh, this was several months back, but we were, you know, going over the list of folks who we have lined up to be on, be on the show and, and and who who else do we want to spend time with? And he you know he brought your name up, and it was clear you know Salam and, and I chimed in. Great idea, great person um, to have on. But I would, I'm pretty confident that there's not a whole lot of places in you know out there where 
community is rallying around schools, and in, in this case, an elementary school, like at least from my, you know, thirty thousand foot view, it is happening in in Hallman. So you can you can tell us more of the details, but I think there's a lot of people that can benefit from from the story there and and what's going on and and why why you're doing it and why other community pockets of our community are involved. So. I know that's a big question or big statement, but can you start to dive into that and we'll, we can, we can, uh, you know, dissect it a little bit more. Sure. Um, part of the principal's job is always to be a community leader. And it was a part of the job that I never felt like I knew where to enter in. Um, once I started at Hallman, several, um, community organizations wanted to meet with me and talk about what they do and how they operate. And I started to see potential for, oh, this is what it could mean to be a community leader. Um, so I started attending little community organization meetings that I knew were happening and finding out what they were about and figuring out how could Hallman enter into a, a mutually beneficial partnership. I don't want this to be a one-way deal at all. I want this to be, the school can provide something to an organization that also provides something to our students and families or our school. So just starting the little tendrils of doing that and um, there was a key person, it's called a CSOC in a, in a, in a title school. A CSOC is a community school outreach coordinator. Um, I had an opportunity to hire someone into that position and I knew who I needed because I had worked with her before and Leslie Caudillo and I understand each other's vision when it comes to community. The beauty of it is that she grew up here. She went to Hallman and her mm -hmm. family lives here. So not only was I getting someone who gets my vision, I'm getting someone who knows what it means to live in this neighborhood mm -hmm. and what the families need. So we are a powerhouse. <laughs> no community organization has a chance if, if Leslie and I are involved. They're going to be partners with us. That's yeah. just how it's going to be. So we started getting to work. And as soon as you find out about one organization that does something, then you find out about another one and then your name kind of gets out and, and it's, it becomes apparent to bigger organizations that this is a school that's hungry for this kind of opportunity and partnership. So when I was approached by Catholic community services, and I think that happened through mountain West, um, it was a great opportunity because we're looking at, um, Coordinated efforts. We're looking at uh, an organization that wants to help our vision of community come true. And that really the vision that I keep referring to is building, um, building the network for families, building the village that's raising the kids, right? Children need to be raised by a village. And that means adults need to be really well connected with other adults in the neighborhood. And so we wanted to build the village. Mm -hmm. Um, so to have an organization that was, that was absolutely 100% behind that and wanted to figure out what our ideas were and to give energy to those ideas or be the connector for those ideas has been, um, really valuable. What have you learned, uh, you know, about your community? Um, Obviously, you know, uh, as an educator, you know, innately you go in with a with a sense of care and concern for them. You want to see them, you know, or as Arbinger says, and as we say in our institute, see them as people. But it's different from when you actually get those chances and and you learn about them in, in authentic and meaningful ways. So, you know, what have you learned about them, and and what have you seen? You know, I, I may say it this way with the the finger quotations. What have you seen? Um, not literally, but how have you? How has your perspective, you know, changed if, if at all, just tell us a little bit about that. Um, I've seen, um, diversity. I mean, our neighborhood has every strand of society in it. And so we have this incredibly diverse 
um, population of families and kids and just the opportunity that's there to help them understand and, and support and love one another is a beautiful opportunity. So I've seen um, how we can be a bed of helping the nation see what it looks like to listen to and love one another and be in relationship with one another. Um, and I love that. I have seen <laughs> at the end of the day, the, the very thing that I need and want to do is to make life better for kids. Life becomes better for kids when, when um, especially school becomes better for kids when the school staff and the family are really tight and well-connected and communicating well and partnering well. I've seen more kids have a much better opportunity at success because of this building this village, right? So, so we see walls come down and, and by that, I mean um, like filters, uh, Parents come to us with a with a school experience that they had in their minds. And so there's often like this some reservation. Um, yeah, this reservation and this um hesitation and that they you know don't want to return calls and don't want to talk to us and are defensive right away. And just with gentle, 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 here to help, support, remind, connecting to each other, you see this softening and this, Oh, you're on our side. You want what we want. And, and people love their kids yeah, <laughs> and that yeah. doesn't change no matter where you go. It doesn't change. And it's just a beautiful thing to see. And they love people that love their kids. <laughs> yes, that too. Question for you, Jessica. Uh, Chris has been talking about perspective here. And um, uh, this question is probably I'm um, going to take you back sort of memory lane at the different to the different places that you've been. I mean, you you've talked about being um, at Staten, Woodburn, Brush College, Miller, Hallman. Uh, and I believe our experiences in life give us perspective. And I believe those experiences are formative uh, and they help shape us as leaders. So as you as you bring that wealth of experience to Hallman. Um, Talk a little bit about how these other experiences have shaped your leadership and made you the leader that you are today. It's a big question. I'm sorry, but it's an important one. It is an important one. Um, I've made mistakes and I've made big mistakes that I still haven't um fully reconciled with the people who I need to reconcile with. And those mistakes are uh, definitely ones that shape me. I've said the words to a child in my first, I think my third year of teaching, you make it hard to come to work. I said that. Oh, I, and I need to reconcile that, but I never, ever, ever, ever should have said that. And I never want to make somebody feel that way again, ever. So I've learned from, um, some hard things, big mistakes I've made. I've also learned from some, um, I've learned from others. I, I think probably my biggest learning has, has, um, my, the administrator that I had in state and, um, Randy LaFollette, he and I were talking about previous administrators. And he said, so you've learned a lot about what not to do. And I said, I have learned about a lot about what not to do. And he said, so what are you going to do? And that helped me flip it into what am I going to be like as an administrator? Um, so I've, I've learned from big mistakes that I've made. Um, I've, there's just been key moments that are big and small all along the way. Um, <laughs> I don't know. This is a really hard question to answer. <laughs> well, our, our experiences I, and our people around us shape us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you answered it in the most, <sighs> um, I, I, I want to say in, in the most honest and, and 
truthful and leader-like way. Because quite often, we don't really want to acknowledge our mistakes. We all make mistakes, and the key is to learn from them. So I, I really appreciate the way you answered it. And, um, and I think you're an amazing leader. But what I really admire about you more than anything else is that you, I can, I can have a page long of traits and attributes of leadership that I can um, assign to you, of course. But you have courage. You are a very courageous leader. And courageous leaders are not afraid to learn from their mistakes. They're not afraid to admit that they make mistakes and those mistakes and those experiences help shape us. So yeah. uh, thank you for answering that. And I know it was a hard question. So, I, I, thought, uh, I thought you actually answered it perfectly. You know, in fact, you jumped right to that, that example, that story. And it wasn't just, I've made mistakes. You, you shared a very specific example of when you said something word for word that you now, you know, it now hurts you a little bit, you know, that you actually, that you said that. And, and when you said that, I automatic, automatically started to think of all the times when I've said things that I shouldn't have said. And so to me, that's, that's profound leadership. That's influence, right? To, to be able to help me realize areas where I can change. And we're doing a simple podcast, right? But I realized when you said that, I realized, oh my gosh, just this week, I've said some things to my own children that I should not have said, um, you know, and and so I thought you answered it perfectly with a with a very uh, personal, you know, story of a real mistake, word for word, you know that that you said, and so I think we need more of that. I think Salam described it, you know, well as 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 courage. You know, we we just had our our leadership retreat last week, and unfortunately, I'm the one that facilitates most of the <laughs> the session. And, uh, uh, you know, having been, you know, key in helping us develop the curriculum and I'm not the greatest teacher, nor am I the greatest leader, or I'm just not very great at, at a lot of those really sexy things, <laughs> but I do have, I have realized, and I realized that at a young, as a young adult, that what I can do is leave it all out on the table. And so I try to teach and, and be an example through sharing my own flaws and my own weaknesses, which is why I immediately connected to with, with that brief story that you shared. But it was funny because yeah, I- people, people need us. People need us to tell our own stories. Yeah. I, you know, I, it's funny. Mm -hmm. One of my mentors, um, his name is Chad Ford, who, who really got me into the power of stories. And it was mostly through him sharing his own, but when he talked to me about the hard stories to share, even simple ones like you shared, it kind of hurts. I mean, it hurts, it hurts to share that. But he, he he told me, you know, we have to be willing to share those stories and even relive some of the pain and the hurt, uh, you know, and and the regret of, gosh, I can't believe I did that or said that or thought that, because you know, his words, he said, we need to be willing to go to that place and that space to help others get there. Um, and I've always had that ringing in my in my mind, and and so I I try my best to to not be fake or force it, but to just be authentic and share, look, this is, <laughs> here's some mistakes I've made. And, and so I shared a few stories last week and, and, uh, it's, it's funny. I got an email just this week from one of the, you know, the leaders in our Institute and, and they were just saying, thanks for sharing those stories. And, and then, you know, he said, I've had this idea of, of be that being a leader is, is to be strong, you know, and to show strength to, to his, uh, his team. Um, but he said, you know, just through through hearing those stories and the the space that it created for for our conversations and our dialogue and how quickly it helped us build relationships, uh, you know, he he's now starting to think about that differently of what strength actually means for 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 him and and you know in his leadership role. But um, I loved that you shared that, so I just wanted to 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 say thanks, uh, you know, for giving me a reminder of some work that I need to do when I go home today to. <laughs> To make things right with with my with my six year old, um, yeah. I've said some things in the last week that I shouldn't have said, and 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 I need to make things right with her. So I appreciate that. You're welcome. Yeah. Um. So I'm curious, and this this will tie into everything we've been talking about. But uh, well, two questions. I I do want to come back to you mentioned the collaboration and and even your strategy, which I loved with this seesaw. Right? Is that the is that the yes. is that the right acronym? Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah. uh, your strategy with with her, but I'd love to hear how that's grown and kind of where it's at now. And what's what is even though COVID has been going on, I know that there's still a lot of collaboration happening, and it won't stop. You know, 
anytime soon. And then I'd love to get into how do you measure your your success? How do you define your success? I know there's things that you probably get mandated and requirements you have to, you know, check uh, from the district. But how do you, you know, as as the leader, as Jessica, principal, define success in your in your school and in your community? So those are two questions. A little bit more about that collaborative collaboration going on, and then you know you can get into maybe how you define success. Um, then the collaboration, the collaboratives, like, um, a place where representatives from multiple organizations can come together and tighten up systems. Um, so we've had DHS at the table, we've had boys and girls club, we've had, um, uh, the health, um, like Salem health representative, um, nurses from our school district, um, a couple of principals, me and, and one other. Um, and we've just had this rotating kind of um, representation at the table. And with each rotation, we have new ways of talking about our work and where we getting some questions answered about why do systems work this way? Like with DHS, there was a, a really great conversation. Um, why do systems work this way? And, and we were able to plug up some some holes that existed between school and DHS. So um, that was really, really uh, helpful. And then we were able to learn more about their systems and how they work. So how families graduate out of response with DHS and into um, like recovery, basically, and that they have a they have a coach. It's like we need to know who the coaches are so we can be in touch with them and helping with this recovery that families are doing together. So that's just an example that of something that would not have been possible without the collaborative. So it's um, connecting us to bigger systems to help each other become stronger. Um, that's does that complete your collaborative information yeah, yeah, gathering, just, or do you want more? No, I was just you know I think uh, a lot of people out there could could just benefit from that perspective of. You know, I've met with principals uh, um, just around this area and even some of them, you know, elementary principals feeling like they don't know where to start or how, what does it mean to actually engage the community around me and how do I do it? How do I begin? Who should, who should be involved? And so, you know, I, I think you sharing just some of those details around it um, can be yeah. really informative and, and helpful for people that are, are maybe feeling lost at where to start or where to begin um, yeah. when it comes to their school. Well, so I, I, th I thought that was great. That was a great. There expression. are two places to begin. One is with families and talking to families and interviewing families and finding out what families need. That's one place to begin. Um, the other place to begin is with local local organizations that want to help schools. And often that's the local church. So those are two easy places where principals can start, call the local churches and start talking to families and find out what they need. So that's a much easier place to start than call DHS and yeah. tell them what's wrong. <laughs> call DHS and the, <laughs> yeah, all the major nonprofits. No, that's great. That's a right. good, good starting point. So for anybody that's, you know, yep. that's listening that that's, this is relevant to, that's a great, great starting point, especially the first one, go to the, go yeah. to the source and ask them, yes. you know, specifically what their needs are um, and, and listen, eh, listen. Yeah. Yeah. Jessica, I'm, I'm curious um, how as a leader, especially working in a school like Coleman, where um, you really have to pay attention to a lot of different aspects of development for students, for the families, for the communities, um, I know that those jobs are incredibly demanding uh, and incredibly rewarding as well when we think about the communities that we serve and we get to work with. I'm, I'm curious, as a leader, how do you balance the, the various demands on you, whether it's from the school, the community, the district, the state, your family. So what, you know, how do you um, manage, especially at a time in a time of crisis that we're going through right now, where some of these demands are even further amplified. So what, what advice would you give leaders um, to, to, 
to to do to take care of themselves and yet maintain you know that primary mission that they have relative to the education and the community. Mm. I have a lot. I have a lot rolling around uh, for ways to think about that. Um, the first is that the principal has a community that they get to um, get to guide, get to participate in, get to share in, get to lead. And self-care is promoted as the thing that's going to fix everybody. And self-care cannot happen without a community that allows it to happen. So as a, as the, as one community leader in, in a community, a principal needs to model taking care of themselves, give others space to take care of themselves, and always be looking for resources to help others take care of themselves in the way that matters. And there's eight different ways that you can take care of yourself or 11, depending on which wellness wheel you're looking at. You know, it's, but we're looking at spiritual care. We're looking at physical care. We're looking at um, financial care. We're looking at, um, um, I have the wellness wheel, hang on. Social care and intellectual care and emotional care and occupational care and environmental care. So you're looking at all of those different ways that someone might need need care or they might be able to recognize oh i'm not taking care of myself intellectually as soon as they realize that we need to have something to offer that is helpful to the community so um so organizing care for others helps us be in a community that understands that care for oneself is really important So it's not just go do it, go for a three mile run every weekend, go, you know, meditate. It's not that it's, we are in this together and we need to provide space for everyone for their own self-care. So that's the first thing you got to build the community to understand it and make space for it and then do it. Um, and just the nuts and bolts of being a leader. And you, you know, this, it's like, that's my to-do list. It's there. It's going to be there tomorrow. Take care of the things that you say that you're going to take care of and the other stuff, just get it done in between. Be productive, be efficient. Don't stop working. Begin anywhere. I had a quote from uh, my to-do list because I was having a hard time. (laughs) Moving forward, and it was stay busy. If you keep your grind right, it will keep your mind right. And I was like, <laughs> I love that. I'm going to do that. There you go. If you keep your grind right, it'll keep your mind right. That's good. <laughs> yeah. We might title the episode that. <laughs> oh, cool. I think, that, I think that's a great title for the episode, Chris. <laughs> you keep your grind right, oh, no. you'll keep your mind right. <laughs> Jessica. Brendan. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Well, that, uh, I love all of that. There's, I mean, I got a lot of thoughts going through my mind, but I, I want to, you know, keep us on course. Um, but, you know, just one, one quick thought that I think is worth sharing is there's so much um, perspective that you have on, on your leadership that, that I think, you know, crosses borders of, of sector and, and industry and, and that other, um, you know, leaders can can learn from, and I, I'll say in ed, in education, maybe there's a there's a an expectation, or it's it happens more often. Some of these perspectives that you're sharing, but I think that they're so important because just the way that you talk about the care, you know, use the word self care, but ma- making sure that what you're doing as a leader that there's a there's an answer to it. There's an answer to when they ask themselves if they're cared for in these ways that there's some sort of an answer to it. Um, for them, you know, within, within your, your, your organization, your school, um, and in your leadership. And I think for, you know, I'll use business sector, for example, you know, a lot of it's focused on the bottom line and you, you got a job to do and, and, and you do it and you got to, you get your paycheck and you, and you move on. But 
I think creating a s- similar culture and trying similar practices in some of those other you know areas would would pay off um just hearing you talk about your perspective on your leadership. So that's a side note. I don't want to go down that too much, but just a thought that I wanted to bring up. I do want to circle back to this this um idea of how you measure success. I mean, what is it mm-hmm. what does it look like in terms of what's expected of you and and, and you know what you have to I guess report and be accountable towards uh, organizationally, but then how do you personally, you know, define your success? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I find joy in data. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, that's one piece of it. If it was all data and that was the only thing that I could celebrate, I, it would, it would not be boring because, um, or it would be boring. I, so attendance, you know, seeing the attendance numbers rise just makes me so happy because it means kids know that much more love from this place. Um, so, so I find joy in the data, but in order to really find joy in the data, I need to find joy in in the stories that go with that. Um, so I'm always out in the school trying to hear the stories of the kids and hear what, and teachers bring, they know, they know that I'm going to cry and I'm going to shout and I'm going to hip hip hooray and I'm going to jump for joy. And I will do cartwheels for kids down the hall because of the triumphs that they experience, no matter how small, if they see it as a triumph and they want me to party with them, I'm going to do it. So I, I find um, the stories that go with the data as really compelling um, what was the third part of the question? Oh, personally. Yeah. Yeah. End of the day. Organizationally, end of the day's work. What, what do you, what, you know, when you're done with a, a day or a week, a month, a quarter, a year, I mean, what's success just for you personally? Um, knowing that kids and families are happy, healthy, and, and making progress in their lives in the way that's meaningful to them and that they have the support to do that when they're ready mm-hmm. for it. Jessica, I mentioned earlier that you touched on two key elements of uh, the Rooted Leadership Framework, the seeds section, and, and there were desire and um, uh, belief. And this is something that I truly, truly, truly admire about you because you have an incredible ability to operationalize, you know, highly complex technical issues like data. How do we use data to inform our practice? How do we use data to look at what kids needs, what families needs? But you also have this, this quality of humanizing these technical components. And, and I, I was struck by something that you said that I find absolutely fascinating, and I've never heard it this way, but I love it. I mean, you talked about attendance. So when we look at attendance, it's an initiative, you know, and the goal is to get kids in school. And what do we do quite often? We measure, you know, did it go from 88 to 92? So it becomes a transactional, almost like a quantifiable goal. But you said something that is really, really cool. You said, I know that the longer, the more kids are here, the more love they're going to get from us. (laughs) And you just said someone, Chris asked you about, about how do you measure success? You, you immediately shifted. Even your personal success is represented in your children, your kids, and your families that you serve being safe, well attended to, loved, cared for, have access to resources. So the reason I, I bring all of that up, and I really commend you for it, that is absolutely remarkable is because one of the things that we talk about in the Rooted Leadership Framework is a set of drivers and motivators. So I think I know what motivates you and and what drives you. Uh, And Chris alluded to some of this earlier. Um, Talk a little bit about what are some of these really intrinsic, you know, motivations that, that, that literally just make you see your kids and your families first. All the time. That's what you're focused on. You know, what am I going to do to my kids? For my, what am I going to do for my kids and for my families? What am I going to do to help them be better off, to be successful? I was not the person that I am now until I came to Hallman. And I can point at Hallman staff. They've taught me such important things. 
about caring for kids and caring for families and what it looks like to serve them well. And this is a magical place. And um, it's taught me we're going to be okay. We need to take good care of our kids and families. Well, I admire your humility. And uh, I admire your leadership and what you bring to Holman and Holman kids and families. Yeah, this is a, you know, this is a great example. And I know, uh, Jessica, you're not, you're, you're not too familiar with our framework, our leadership framework that we keep referring to, but it's based around the simple analogy of soil, seeds, and weeds. But everything that you've been sharing uh, and, and your leadership is a great example of, of it all, of soil and and seeds, you know, uh, part of our seed section, we talk about how do we get the best ideas, you know, and uh, first step Salam just mentioned is humility. And, uh, you know, you're, you're a great example of that as it's just, we've been talking. And then the next step, which Salam alluded to was this idea of desire. You know, do we really, if we have an idea, ideas turn into, into, so, you know, they turn into initiatives and programs and, and products and, and they turn into all sorts of things. And if we want to be the most innovative with those, we got to be humble. And then desire comes into play. And there's a few things after that that we talk about. But desire is fascinating to me right now. As Salam was talking, I was on the same same wavelength with him because in our in when we talk about desire, we talk about the difference between desire and wanting something, you know. And because we have wants all day long, and uh, we think of all sorts of things that we would want organizationally, personally, and. And it's it's fair to say that we can want, you know, data the attendance. We could want attendance to go up, right? Um, and and we might get it, and that's great. But the difference with desire that leads us to more innovative practices and 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 more sustainable fruit, if you will, is when it when it turns into the desire. It's not just the desire for results. When we want things, we want results, obviously. But when we desire, we don't just want results, but we want this impact. And that's where where you know, when Salam pointed out what you said is that means, that means, what did you say? Kids are, we get to make, we get to say it again. They we get, get more love. They get more love. They, they right get there. loved more. Yeah, that, that, yeah. That's moving beyond a result to impact. And, uh, and that's, I think, such an important piece. Um, and, and I think as leaders, we need to ask ourselves when we do have ideas, is it, is it a mere want? Because wants can be very self-motivated where a desire becomes other motivated and and so then all of a sudden impact is is at play. Um, so I love I love love that I love this this dialogue we have. Just to keep be the timekeeper here, we have about eight minutes left. Um, and I've been thinking about this since you first started talking, and I want to, I've been saving it for kind of end the end of our conversation. But you know, along the lines of what you feel is the most important thing in leadership, which I feel like you've been discussing. Uh, in our, in our leadership framework, in the soil, in our soil section, we talk so much about this concept of seeing people, um, and even deeply seeing people, uh, and, and how important that is in cultivating our soil and making it ready for, for the seeds that we want to plant and, and making it ready for everything that we need to do as leaders. And I feel like you've spoken to this in all sorts of ways in this conversation, but would love to take it head on to you of how, how, how do you maintain uh, the idea? How do you maintain personally and even in your leadership and organizationally seeing people as people? You know, how do you, how do you maintain that um, for yourself? Cause it's not easy. It's really easy to say that we see people as people. It's, it's harder to do, <laughs> uh, you know, when we, when we show up. And so, just curious on how you would answer that. How do you maintain that mentality and, and actual that leads you into practice, practicing seeing people as people and actually doing it? Does that question make sense? It does. Um, so one of the things that um, I think we all do is that we look at our past selves and we say, gosh, I, that was I, I didn't know anything then. Um, I was having a conversation with my daughter, my oldest daughter, about um some clothes that she wanted to get. And I said, Oh, are you going to get pink? And she said, no, why would I get pink clothes? And I said, cause you used to like pink. Remember the pink outfit that you had? And she goes, yeah, but mom, I was a dummy then. And I laughed because I said, you're going to be saying that to yourself your whole entire life. But I was a dummy then. 
And what I realized recently is that my future self looks at my current self and says, you're a dummy. You were a dummy then. I'm a dummy to my future self. So I need to not be a dummy. And maintaining humility is is one way of, of being the leader. I mean, you talked about humility, but humility leads to seeing people. Humility means you're not making assumptions. Humility means that you're willing to ask questions. Humility means that you're, you're asking for clarification, that you're, you're a better communicator and you're seeing people for who they are. I've made too many mistakes because I was a dummy then and I didn't let people be people and I didn't see people for who they are. And I'm still going to make those mistakes. But being aware that I (laughs) don't know it all and that I don't take up that much space and that I am one person in this community just like everybody else and and that we are all people and we all need to be heard and we all need to be understood. Um, those are the things that keep me as seeing people as people. I love that. Thank you. You you have uh you've kept me on a you've kept me on a string this whole conversation. It's been very fun. It's been very fun. Uh I've enjoyed it. Um and I hope our, our listeners are, are enjoy this as well. But um there's a lot you know, a lot of nuggets in what you've shared. There's a lot of, uh, I typically like to throw out questions to any listeners and there's just so many to, to think about. Um, what I really like what you just said is, you know, don't be a dummy to your future self. I want to ask leaders, anybody listening, are we, what, what about us as being a dummy right now to our future selves and how can we change it? Um, (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to be thinking about that a lot. Don't be a dummy to your future self, Chris. Um, so I, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've felt and learned quite a bit from our, from our conversation, um, today. I have too. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I appreciate your time. Uh, you know, um, I'll round us off with one last, one of our generic leadership questions, but, uh, Salam, before I do that, do you, do you have any thoughts or any questions that you, you want to bring up, bring, bring out? Um, I don't have any question. Well, I do have questions, but we don't have um, more time, unfortunately. So we may have to uh, bring Jessica back and continue the conversation. <laughs> but um, uh, I, I feel like I've known you for a long time, but every time I have the opportunity and the privilege to talk with you, I learn more. And most importantly, I learn from you. And I just want to say thank you for your leadership. And um, I know you feel that you're really lucky to be at, at Holman. And I will say, Holman is very lucky to have you and the district and the community are very lucky to have you and to have your leadership in, in their midst. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. Yeah. I know that, uh, your humility won't let this, you know, will 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 always keep you humble. So I can say these sort of things, but when I, you know, meeting leaders, you can get a kind of a vibe from them. And, and I've just had a really positive vibe, you know, from you that you are, a. Um, you know, without knowing you personally, it just, I can tell that you are a, a phenomenal, um, and impactful leader. So, uh, a transformative leader. And I think that, that our world is longing for, um, and our communities are longing for transformational leadership and leaders, uh, like yourself. Um, and so, uh, I genuinely mean that. And, and I'm just grateful that, that you're in our community, um, and that we can learn from you. Thank you. That's, um, <laughs> you're right. I don't accept comments, well, compliments well. So I'm going to let that, I'm going to say thank you and let that saturate. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, so last question, you know, it doesn't, you know, your response, you don't have to, just simple question, but I love hearing this, you know, who in your life um, has been uh, just a, you, you shared a teacher at the beginning, somebody that you shared that's still teaching today. I can't remember the name of, of, of the teacher that you mentioned, but who in your life has really impacted you? Um, and who you have become today, if you had to choose one, I know that's hard, you know, who is that person and why? My mom. Easy. Yep. Um, and it's that she, um, she's curious and she's, um, 
she taught me humility and um, she just continues to be this super positive force in my life. Mm-hmm. Love that. Those people are, are, are important and, and uh, I hope all of us know who those indiv- individuals are and, and if we don't feel like we have one that, uh, that uh, we can be one of those people um, for others. Uh, that's our, you know, we're at the top of the, uh, top of the hour. So, um, that's our show today. Um, like we've mentioned, there's, there's a lot to, to take out of this. I'm going to have a hard time. We're going to have a hard time naming this one, but, uh, we'll think of something. No. Um, and, uh, <laughs> uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, anyone who's, who's, uh, listening, uh, we appreciate you. We appreciate Jessica for joining the show. Always grateful for Salam and, and his wisdom he brings to the table. Um, we're grateful to be doing this work and to be in this community and until next time be safe take care